Hello everyone and welcome down to episode number 13 of the Down South Photo Show. It's great to be back in your faces, in your ears, wherever you're listening, whatever you're doing. If you're watching us on YouTube, hello everyone out there. Hello to everyone who uh, listens to us on the podcast via Podbean and all your other uh, places where you listen to your podcasts and it is my great pleasure to say hello once again to my great mate Cameron Blake down in Tasmania. G'day Cam. G'day Brendan. How are you going? I nearly in ran your... out of breath then. Did you Did you forget my name? <laughs> no, I'm still getting over in your face and in your ears. Like, Well, that's what we are. Yeah, I know, but you know, you, you take that too far and we're in trouble. It, well, it's, it's where we are. Um, it is. It's lovely. How are you going? Uh, yeah, very well, thank you. That's um good. Like the mighty demons, we had a week off, so Come we're on. feeling fit and fresh and uh, yeah. ready to go. Um, which sort of this goes out Friday night, so you playing Friday you, night? Yeah, yeah, okay. So a lot of you already know what's happened. But, yes. Uh, anyway, that, well, it's that's it's footy, folks. I mean, I'll, make sure you put in the care. comment. Make sure you put the score in the comments for Brendan to <laughs> either relive his nightmare or his greatest day so far. <clears throat> you know so, what it'll be what it'll be that's it mate you can't change the future no um no. You, you, and you can't change the past you can only just uh hope for the best you hit your wagon to these clubs mate and they do your head in and yeah. uh mine in particular now yeah. um uh speaking of subscribers on youtube and things like that we are hovering around the 180 subscriber mark now so which that's is awesome. very very cool yeah um which to be honest was never our goal to gain subscribers and stuff. It's just a really cool sort of uh, measure that we've got. So we yeah. we can see that people are uh, enjoying the show and are subscribing to the channel. Uh, yeah. We also love comments under under our videos as well. So We do. We do like the comments. They sort of egg us on a bit more, don't they? They're what people write there. And um, yeah, and 180 subscribers or so. Maybe it might be more by the time it comes out. But um, that's awesome. If we smash 200, that's 199 more than I thought we'd get. So, does <laughs> that include the both of us? Or? <laughs> well, I was never going to subscribe. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, yeah. But that's great. And I thank everyone for tuning in and watching. It's great. Um, yep. Yeah, it's getting out there. It's good. And I'd like to give a special shout out to Will Shipton from Inside Imaging for plugging our podcast slash show uh, on his uh, newsletter this week, which was a pleasant surprise. So thank yeah. you, Will, for doing that for us. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? But, yeah, it was, um, it was nice. I think I think we got one extra subscriber out of that. Well, that's because it's only just come out today, I think, and <laughs> once we set, we shared it around our social, so people will go and read, and they'll think, geez, these guys must be good there. They've got a write-up. So well, that's right. So they'll, they'll, they'll subscribe, and they'll, you know, the journey will begin for them. It validates our efforts. It does. I've just, uh, as, as I mentioned before we got on air here, I've just been having a chat with some customers who are due to come on the Franklin River rafting photo trip with me in November, and just having a chat about how that's going to work being in Melbourne and things. Um, but one of the beautiful ladies there who's coming along, it's like, oh, she goes, I've still got so many shows to go. She goes, I'm only halfway through and you guys just keep chewing them out. I'm like, well, you've got to keep up. So good luck to you, Joe. Yeah. And well, Nina. Um, we've had plenty of time to be able to do it. Me in particular being, um, I think at least half of these shows have been recorded in lockdown. So, <laughs> <They have>. um, <laughs> and this is recorded on Wednesday night and we got the good news today that regional Victoria will be coming out of lockdown as of 11.59 p.m. tomorrow night. So come yeah. Friday, um, we'll be in a very fortunate position to be able to reopen the two camera and photo stores, which yeah. uh, is needed. Let me tell you. I feel like we've had this sentence conversation before. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it has got a very deja vu. It's a very, very similar ring to that we're very fortunate to be able to open tomorrow and let's yeah. hope it all goes well and then yeah, the next well, week. <laughs> the, the record so, day, I think, so far, I think, is four days. We lasted yeah. before. So right. um, you get a sense, though, with everything that's going on, there is light at the end of the tunnel now. Um, yeah. Sort of targets have been set. The vaccination targets have been set. And, and I think we all needed that. We all needed to see, all right, what are we actually aiming for here? Yeah. Because otherwise it just goes on and on and no one no one really knew. So yeah. um, hang tough, everyone, uh, particularly yeah. uh, my mates in Melbourne that I know are, are battling hard through lockdown. And, of course, everyone in Sydney as well, Canberra. Yeah. Um, everyone's doing it pretty tough. So uh, yeah. hang in there, guys. We'll, as we'll I say, light at, light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that's right. Very true. Yeah, so um, we've got a few topics to cover off tonight. Um we're going to feature our Deer Cam segment later on as well, so Ooh, stay tuned for that. Excellent. Deer Cam is back with a vengeance. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about my continued and at times fruitless search for a new camera. <laughs> well, I'm hearing, I'm hearing it's being be getting a bit closer to a end end point. Maybe, maybe there's some news. Speaking or... speaking of setting targets and goals and things, yes, that's right. Um, yeah, very good. Things are getting closer on that front as well. Yeah, but. Um, Cam suggested uh, this week that we might have a little chat about mm. um, using different the different modes that your camera can uh, take landscape photos in. Yeah. And so I sort of put that as, uh, is manual really the holy grail for landscape photography? Mm. Um, and I'm going to let Cam open the discussion on this because I reckon he is cocked and loaded. I am cocked and loaded. And the reason I'm cocked and loaded is because... Um, this topic comes up at almost every first day of a workshop I've ever run is what mode should I be shooting in um, I've just recently come back from the Tarkheim did a workshop up there which we were luckily enough to be able to run um, and we, we had this conversation up there I've had this conversation online with people today it's something that comes up all the time in landscape photography and there's this underlying sort of idea that you know to be able to shoot really nice landscape photography you have to be shooting in manual mode and manual mode only there's no compromising you can't shoot in aperture priority you can't shoot in shutter priority you certainly can't shoot in program and what's the point of even shooting an auto um and, and i i sort of scoff at that i think um and i think it comes back to maybe it's partly probably our fault brains when we worked in camera shops that we worked with people and people when they sold cameras like oh if you want to be professional you got to shoot in full manual um and i, I don't buy into that at all I never have um, the only time I'll put my camera into manual mode is if I'm doing um, astro, where you need to sort of overwrite everything on the camera and tell it what it needs to do. But for 99% of my shots for landscape photography, I shoot everything in aperture mode. Um, and the reason I shoot aperture priority, which is either A on your dial or AV, depending on which brand you use. Um, and the reason I shoot in aperture priority is landscape photography, it's all really about controlling your depth of focus from the front of your frame to the back of your frame and, and how much of that sharpness you want through your scene. Um, and Aperture controls that. That's what Aperture does. It controls your depth of field. So um, the trap that I find people who shoot in manual mode all the time is, and and I do it as a bit of a test. So anyone, this is a bit of a secret that people are just going to know now when they come on my workshops, is I'll, I'll sit back in the first couple of hours of the workshop and just see how everyone else shoots and how they do their thing and how they set up. And so many times you'll, you'll get their camera to be an M mode, be, you know, for example, the scene behind me would be the massive mountain range with huge depth through the scene. And they'll be on f5.6 or f7.1 or some obscure aperture down, you know, the wide open end of the aperture. And 
the question always is, you know, why are we shooting uh, a huge landscape scene with lots of depth we want at f5, f5.6 or f7? You know, why are we not shooting a bit further up the scale where we get a bit more of that depth of field? And the answer is, well, I'm on manual mode. I was just trying to get the needle balanced in the middle for the exposure. So they're changing all these settings without actually knowing what the settings are doing. And I think that's a really bad habit to get into when you're shooting landscape or any photography. If you're changing settings without knowing why you're doing it, then you may as well be shooting in auto mode. Yeah, so you, you might be, well, similar to me in terms of the, the style you've developed over the years. And for me, it's always about the end result, right? And you work backwards from there. So rather than saying, oh, I've heard that you have to shoot in manual to get X, Y, and Z. So now hang on a minute, you're shooting landscape. So what you need to know is that for the majority of landscape photos, as you say, like the one behind you, like the one behind me, um, you're going to want everything, pretty much everything in focus from your feet to that yeah. horizon. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and working, working in manual mode, uh, as far as I'm concerned, ha has its own pitfalls in, in so far as there's a lot of information there yeah. and a lot to work with. If you can take out one of those parameters, for yeah. example, as you say, um, aperture using aperture priority, which I would mm. shoot, similar to you, 80, 90% of my landscapes are shot on aperture priority. Yeah. Uh, if you can take that out of the equation, then you start to focus on what you should be focusing on and that's composition. So, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, like I find people when they're shooting it and I guess this is more suited for people that are maybe starting out or enthusiasts or not necessarily talking about you know the more professional photographers that might be listening having said that though I, I cringe <laughs> or inside I cringe but when you will see something pop up online a photo that someone's put up and it might be a quite respected professional photographer and they'll put up a shot and it's you know massive landscape shot shot on you know 6.3 it's like why are you shooting on 6.3 like it's and to me it's not they, they haven't chosen 6.3 as an aperture that's where they've landed when they're marrying everything else up in that manual mode so this this is probably more directed at people that are beginners or enthusiasts who have been shooting on manual mode but still having a bit of an issue and what i find is those people at that skill level they get buried in the back of their camera trying to figure out what every one of those settings does and like exactly like you said they have paid no attention to the composition by the time they get their settings right they're either using the wrong aperture for the depth of field they want the light's gone the moment's gone they get frustrated and that's why people get really frustrated using manual mode as well yeah and i think it's just it all comes down to understanding um aperture priority and understanding shutter priority and knowing what those two things can do for you it's a really good starting point and uh my entry level like beginner workshops kick off that way pretty much where we look at the mode dial and we say yeah. okay um program shutter aperture this is what they will do for you yeah um and on conversely on the other side of the coin is if we and we get a lot of people who are really keen to shoot portraits um, yep. Yes, I know this is basically a, a landscape photography show podcast, but when people want to shoot portraits, all they really want is really shallow depth of field, or as you call it, depth of focus. And I love yep. that people, I love that you call it depth of focus because the, even the phrase depth of field throws people out. Yep. It's, a, yep. it's not a commonly used phrase, right? So you yep. get beginners like depth of field, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, you know, what, what we're shooting, what, what, we're shooting field? wheat fields now. Yeah. What's what, a field? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Whereas, yeah. whereas it should, it should. I prefer to call it depth of focus for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and understanding that aperture rules when it comes to depth of field. So yeah. depth of focus. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and it, like saying that, like exactly what you're saying about portrait photography, we do things on you know the trips I go on, and you know, a lot, every every trip you go, someone's like, oh, you know, how do you shoot portrait? Like, there's always a question about how do you shoot something else. But as far as I'm concerned, if you understand the settings and you can, if you can shoot a model on the jetty behind you and get a really nice soft depth of focus on the background or depth of field and really make that model stand out. You can shoot a beautiful old tree in a forest that stands out from the rest of the forest. You can shoot these beautiful grass reeds on a coastline. You can actually incorporate the exact same settings across every genre of photography as long as you understand what they do. It's when you don't understand what Aperture is doing and Aperture is the one that does people's head in. Every time they're like, I don't understand the numbers, I don't get what they are. I, I dumb it down as much as I can. I, I use three apertures across my entire series of work. It's either wide open, F16, or if I'm being lazy, I'll, I'll shoot in the middle somewhere. Um, and people, as soon as people stop getting lost in the numbers of aperture, and, but paying more attention to what the aperture means, um, the quicker you'll get to a better level of photography. Yeah, so, so a real quick sort of Aperture 101. And, and this is the thing that annoys me a lot about photography is, you know, if, if I had a time machine, I could go back to the people that were talking about setting up. And, and I understand it's all to do with algorithms and it's all to do with the mathematical formula about Aperture. The lower the number, the wider the hole. Yep. I mean, that, that still trips me up. Yep. Like, and I've been doing this forever. And, and you talk to kids that have come out of, you know, photography college and it's like, and you can see them stopping and, you know. Yeah. And, and, photography, and, so I was going to say, photography to me, you know how you used to rub your head and tub, tap your tummy? Yeah, yeah. It's like that. The one thing I give my my tips to my guests is, with aperture, the one I find it's easier, big big aperture number, big focus. Small number, small focus. Yeah. So it takes the whole diameter of the aperture and it being opposite to what the number sort of is. Yeah. And all they do is like, okay, well, I want lots of focus, big number. I want little focus, little number. Um, I think you can dumb down photography really easily. So, it, and it go back to that kiss phrase, you know, keep it simple, stupid. You don't need to overcomplicate things. There's enough going on around you with light and compositions and leading lines and tripods from other people getting in front of you, all the things that we've spoken about. You don't need to overcomplicate it by going into manual mode. And I think on the flip side of that as well, I get a lot of people sort of look at me and they say, oh, you're a professional photographer, but you shoot aperture priority. Like, isn't that sort of cheating? Like, are you, aren't you sort of shooting mostly auto then? I'm like, no, I'm prioritizing the aperture I want and letting the camera do the rest. Yep. Like, it, it's not it's not cheating. It's it's understanding the system better. I've never I've never understood <clears throat> the whole, oh, you're, you're cheating? Yeah. Like, what, what the hell? Yeah, no, I'm, a, I'm actually using the tool the way it was yeah. designed. That's right. To, yeah. to deliver the result that I'm desiring. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> and it, it, it ro- that rolls into, and we probably won't get into it in this episode, but that role, that conversation always then rolls into metering modes and how the metering modes work. And they're like, well, what do you mean my camera doesn't have, give me the right metering straight away? Like, isn't that what the camera's controlling and meant to be doing? Like, why do I need to adjust my exposure after the camera's told me what it thinks it is? Like there's, there's so many things, and I say it a lot, is that the camera is the smartest dumb tool you have. It's a yep. super smart machine, but if you don't know what you're doing with it, it, it may as well be a brick on a tripod because... They're like, you, they're like computers, mate. They're only smart as the people who use them. So Exactly, yeah, you know, exactly. And, and, and you're exactly right. I think, um, you know, people do, when they particularly new, if you've got a new camera or um, you're new to the game of particularly SLR photography, there's so much. 
There's yeah. so much in the in the menu. You know, you see people they get their camera out and they turn on the menu. Now, if you look at a, a menu for uh, for a Canon, uh, let's whatever a Canon 5D Mark III, Mark IV, yeah, you turn it's on about, the. It's about that thick, <laughs> mate. The on the back when you go to the menu, there's like 14 tabs, and each one of them has got 25 different options within it. Here's a snap and, poll for you. Snap yep. poll. Uh, we haven't spoken about this. The worst menu system on which brand a camera is. Uh, I'm putting mine out there is Nikon. Yeah, I, I cannot no, get now my head I, around Nikon menus. Now you say you say we haven't talked about. It. We actually did bring this up in the live show last week, uh, two we? weeks ago. Yeah, right. Okay, and oh, well, we might have done it off air. I don't know, Maybe. but <laughs> for, for for me, um, almost without exception, it used to be Pentax. Right. That 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 menu, my goodness, like <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Um, but lately, it's more Panasonic. Um, uh, panachronic yeah yeah hard to hard to remember because yeah, okay. i'm so used to nikon canon olympus sony users then someone yeah. throws the curveball at me yeah oh brendan how do i change the white balance i'm yeah. like yeah. Oh, can you give me a minute <laughs> yeah I, I do the same that's exactly what i do in my workshops so i'll rock up and you know have an idea what everyone's using and as soon as i see the nikon i'm like oh no don't yeah. ask me don't ask me how to change focus <laughs> points or don't ask me this don't ask me anyway we're going off topic a bit there but um yeah. Yeah, but get, like getting back to these manual modes, I think to, to, to sort of get a point across that there's nothing that you need to worry about when you're shooting your camera, you don't need to be shooting in manual mode to think, if you think that's going to advance your photography quicker and get your results quicker, in my experience, you're 100% wrong. You need, you need to, unless you really understand exactly what every single part of that manual mode is doing, you're better off starting in an aperture priority mode or shutter priority mode, even program mode, just to get an idea of what everything does. But using manual mode out of, out of the box, it's it's like you know it's like giving to someone like a a twenty speed semi trailer and telling them to go through peak hour. Like, yeah, no, you're exactly right. And and as I say, I see it a lot. But there is there's just this myth around manual yeah. mode. But as I say, yeah. man, but I think that's our around. fault. I think I think that's retail's fault. Yeah. Because I think retail, like I remember when I used to sell cameras with you and, and not necessarily you, but you hear other people and they're like, yeah, yeah, it has full manual mode and people just get excited. Like it's almost like, that's how I become a professional. I've got to shoot full manual. Yep, there you go. Hand over your thousands of dollars, get into manual mode, you're set. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I'll probably tap the brakes a fraction on that and say that manual mode has its place, yeah. Yeah. but it really has its place for very experienced photographers see I, I i know photographers who could walk into a room or walk you know they're in a scene and they go f8 um you know one one two fifth at 400 iso will get me the exact yeah you know, they can talk in the numbers and yeah. and you know what was that movie a beautiful mind who you could see yeah. the numbers <laughs> yeah. there are people yeah. like that but mate they're, they're people who have been in the game for 40 years yeah you know, yeah. old buggers like us. It's yeah. not. It's not um, these. You know, the, these younger kids who who grab the camera and oh, yeah. manual mode, great. Let's just go straight for manual mode yeah. because that's how yeah. I become a pro. So you, yeah. you're and exactly right. And I think the other thing, like you know, classic example is like what I've got here. Like these cameras, the old Olympus cameras, they were practically all manual. So there, there is a there is a, a time and an age where you were manually doing everything, manually adjusting everything and matching the needle up in your camera. And I think 
that's also where people can get a little bit sort of lost at like well that's how I used to use my old camera or yes. that's how the old one used to be so I want to try and use this digital camera the same way well, which and- which brings us to the to the point and that is with the digital revolution and mm-hmm. having have being able to control so much more and having way more scope in your image now which yeah. will sort of lead us on to a topic we're going to talk about a little bit later on and that's the topic of dynamic range yeah and and now that your camera has the ability to see detail in highlights and shadows like never before yeah um far better than film ever could um i think you were telling me before film has a dynamic range of five stops yeah the different different films yeah different films had different dynamic ranges um yep. for example good old look at that there's a blast from the past the fuji velvia 100f Love it. So slide film or E6 film generally had around about sort of five stops of dynamic As range. As a complete aside, <clears throat> do you, I love the smell of film. I love the smell of chemicals. That the <laughs> Not, like you know when you go in the dark room? No, no, no. I have never been in a dark room. Really? Okay. Well, in a dark room, you've got developer stop bath and fixer, right? Yep. And the I fixers, know what's in there. I've just never been in one. It smells like salt. <laughs> it smells like salt and vinegar chips. Ah, okay. Well, see, that's what I reckon film smells a bit like well, as well. It's all about the same, but yeah. So, yeah. but this kind of E6 or slide film, as it, you know, commonly known, has mm-hmm. five stops of dynamic range. Your normal C41 negative has around about seven or eight stops. And your black and white, depending on which black and white you had, had around about sort of eight or nine stops. Well, we've got digital cameras now that go sort of 14, pushing 15 stops. Yeah. So that's three times as much dynamic range as that, um, which, like I said, it takes us into another topic. So for those who haven't heard the phrase dynamic range before, it's basically, as I say, it's your camera's ability to see detail in highlights and shadows at the same time. A good example of that is, for example, if you take a photo, um, let's say, in your living room on a bright sunny day, and you've got the shutter your, your, your curtains open quite often you'll take a photo and all you see outside is white there's no detail there at all well the the dynamic range comes back to your ability to be able to pull that detail back in processing down the track so for example if you shoot a raw file and you shoot uh shoot that image you can then use your uh your, your sliders in the raw editor to be able to bring the detail back it'll be there um Earlier digital cameras uh, did a lot of what we called highlight clipping, where basically the clipping, the the, the highlights were gone and were yeah. gone forever. You'd never be able to get that that back. But nowadays, as Cam was saying, cameras are pushing 14, 15 stops of dynamic range. Yeah. That data is certainly there, and you can actually yeah. um, isolate parts of your photo and pull back that that yeah. data so that the detail in your shadows and your highlights can be balanced out a lot better. Yeah, um, absolutely, and that's. Uh, again, that's something else that you know. Was that, was that a terrible explanation of dynamic range? No, that, that, was, that was pretty good. No, that's pretty oh, okay. good. All right. um, and then I guess from there, the, the other thing that sort of trips people up a bit is the histogram on the back of their camera. Yes. So on the back of your camera, most modern digital cameras, you'll have a little graph that sort of looks like a little bar graph or a little sketch graph on the back of your camera when you take a photo. And what that is, it is a scientific readout of what your dynamic range or what the exposure... Uh, parameters that your camera can can capture are and that's a direct output of what your highlights and shadows are doing in each shot Um, and it's really important to understand how that works because if you don't understand how that works you get a lot of people that again what Brendan said about blowing out highlights so you overexpose too much so for people at home you can see my screen the sun the very top corner of my shot is blown out there's there's no detail in there Um, but you know by adjusting your exposure and playing around with the exposure of your shot you can actually rescue this and as Brendan said 
when you get into post, you can start isolating certain parts of that and you can paint exposure back in or take it out, whichever way you want to do it. But I get a lot of conversations around dynamic range because people look at the, the shots and go, oh, that must be a multi, that must be a composition or you, you must have bracketed or you've done a high dynamic range or a HDR shot. You know, how, how did you get all that detail in your shot? And most of the cameras these days, if you're shooting early morning, late afternoon, the dynamic range is really quite low in that scene. It's not a massive, like Brendan said, it's not a huge variance from shadows to inside and, and light outside in, in, the, in a house, for example. So you can actually get a lot of your exposure in one shot. You don't need to necessarily uh, bracket or HDR or drop in filters or you know whatever. The, the cameras are pretty amazing these days if you um, just get the timing right. Yeah, that's right. And, and all those techniques that you just spoke of certainly do have their place under, for certain, um, certain scenarios. For example, I, I find it a bit fruitless focus stacking landscapes when, as you say, you can just shoot at f8, f11 yeah. to, to get what you want. However, if you are doing a bouquet of flowers on a desktop and you want to be able to you know, get, get great uh, depth of field, greater depth of field, but you're working in low light, sure. <clears throat> That's where focus stacking all of a sudden becomes really useful. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we, we'll probably dedicate a whole other episode to focus stacking. <coughs> I've, I've never actually attempted focus stacking. Have you? Uh, I've done a little bit. Um, <clears throat> it works really well with macro, like you said, macro flowers yeah. and bugs yeah. and things like that. Um, but I don't use it too much. A lot of people use it in landscape, but I'm with you. Like you can sort of get that same depth of field and stuff going with the right aperture. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I suppose I'm just trying to trying to think of a scenario <coughs> where where I would want to use it and. The thing that springs to mind for me, um, for example, I, I've, I'm getting into, not at the moment because I can't go anywhere, but I'm getting into a bit of golf course photography. I was going to say you're not breaking the law, eh? No, I get, I'm getting into a bit of golf course photography and the only scenario I can see where you would want that separation, for example, if you've got a you know beautiful green with the flag and then yeah. the, then you've got the background like a lake or something behind, yeah. um, maybe focus stacking would help you to, you know, you could do two exposures um, at lower um, aperture values and have, you know, the, your flag and then the background, but no middle middle distance. Yeah, that yeah. that can be quite effective, and that's where focus stack. Sure, that's that's fine, but yeah, that that's an exception to the rule. Yeah, I think, and a lot of the cameras these days, they do a lot of in-camera focus stacking. Um, you can do lots of things in camera, like even ISO stacking, uh, exposure stacking. You can do lots of different things in camera, but um, to me, dynamic range is a really important one to understand. That if you understand where you're coming from uh, from an exposure value, understanding your histogram and how that works. Uh, if you get it right in camera, getting your edits done is, is a hell of a lot easier than trying to make a photo out of something that you've not taken properly as opposed to just polishing up a photo that's done properly. So um, I, I'm always, I'm a huge believer of getting it right in camera and that's where, you know, a lot of my shots I'm underexposing most of the time in landscape photography because, you know, most of your landscapes, like your sky behind you is like that. That sky is the shot, that's the killer of the shot there. The sun rays behind my shot there, that's the real hero of the shot you know if you lose that detail by overexposing or exposing incorrectly the file the file is not going to recover anywhere near as much as if it had the detail to start with so um, I, I use a pretty simple standard for my stuff I usually have a, my exposure compensation set to minus one so one stop under as a, as a starting point 
um, and then go from there. Different if sometimes, again, if you're shooting high key scenes like lots of snow or lots of sand, you might push it back up a bit. But um, yeah, again, I, I, like I, I try and teach, it's it's all about making it as simple as possible. So like you said, exactly your point was so spot on before that, you know, you can spend all your time looking out at your scene and less time looking at the back of your camera. Yeah. That, that's the key. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I think um, it's really important when you're in the field to be able to get your settings set up and right quickly um, yep. and then spend all of your time finding those compositions. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a few photographers that I follow on, on YouTube um, and one of them is Photo Tripper. I don't know if you know. I was him. watching some of his stuff today. He's very funny. He's a I was, I was just about to say he's a pisser. He is yeah. a pisser. He's a reckon, funny, I reckon, funny I reckon, guy. I reckon we should tag him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, his, yeah, yeah. His, some of his stuff's really cool. But when he's taking photos, you can tell he gets the settings right, he puts it on a tripod, he locks yeah. it off, and yeah. then he lets the light come. Yeah. And then and then as the light's changing, all he's doing is triggering the camera. That's yeah. all he's doing. He's just yeah. there, bang, yep. You know. So that scene behind you, for example, <clears throat> is probably a bit more of a dynamic scene than is behind me um you know you can see that the light would have been shifting around really quickly um yeah. the way it's picked up those creases in the in the mountain range and all that sort of stuff so um you know and you and got I was the trying, I was trying not to vomit i was trying not to vomit as the plane bounced through turbulence <coughs> oh you're in a plane there that's a plane shot yeah oh, okay right yeah so, yeah, yeah i was in the clouds we'll yes, do Flying back, dodging turbulence. Yeah. But what what I'm getting at, this guy Photo Tripper, um, look him up on YouTube. We'll put a link below. Um, he's got a phenomenal gallery of work. Like his his images are brilliant. The fact that he's based out of um, Vancouver Island in British Columbia yeah, does help. It does. Um, so he's got these amazing landscapes that he can just literally get in his car and go off in any yep. direction and, and hit a brilliant landscape. Uh, but again, he, you can see he's uh, he's experienced. He he doesn't necessarily shoot always in manual mode, although he does Sorry, from time to time. That's fine, mate. Um, yeah. yeah, he shoots he shoots mainly. Um, well, he, sh he shoots in all different modes, but he does quite a bit of long exposure stuff, but without filters because yeah. he operates in low light. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and no, that's he's, that's, he's, that's where I find as well, like. You don't need all these filters and tools on your camera. If you if you just wait for the light with a circular polarizer, that's about as much as you need. Yep. And it, and generally works works a treat that way. Yeah. Well, um, you've said you've said from the get go that a circular polarizer is pretty much your yeah. um, your weapon of choice when it comes to a filter. Yeah. Um, do you is that more <clears throat> because of the color enhancement properties it gives you, or the fact that it does just cut through the glare? Uh, it's probably that and another one. So again, it helps increase the contrast and gives you those true polarized colors. So especially in forests, a lot of people don't use them in forests, but you get that pure green um, color coming off. Instead of the reflective light off the leaves, you get the pure green. It looks so that's, nuts, doesn't it? It looks so and, good. And it's so obvious. As soon as you turn it, people just go, wow, I've never, I've never even noticed that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's one reason. Um, the other thing I like it for is that it's practically a two-stop neutral density. So yeah. it actually drops your exposure down by two stops. So, you know, you're getting late in the day or early morning when you're starting off. You don't need to be stacking 10 stops and six stops on the front. You can still get, you know, especially waterfalls and, and coastal shots. At two, you know, a two stop neutral density at an early morning or a late afternoon, you're still gonna get, you know, a fairly slow sort of type of shot. So, um, how, how I, I think how, that- How the hell do these photographers who use filters 
carry the bloody things around and keep them clean. <laughs> I've got a really funny story and she's going to hate me for it, but we'll tell you anyway. Thank you. Just got my beautiful assistant to get me some more water because coughing a bit more than I needed to be. That's um, right. You, you're, um, your hay fever kicked in this week, didn't it? It did kick in. Down here in Tassie, and I got told not to say this by people I was talking to before, but I was out and about, and they said, don't tell us you've been out and about. That's not fair. Um, <laughs> I was out and about up in the northeast, and it's just, as far as the eye can see, it is yellow wattle trees everywhere. And I don't usually get hay fever, and I came home, and I felt like I'd been hit by a bus, and... Um, I, my, I didn't have a runny nose but my throat was scratchy and I've been coughing and carrying on so <clears throat> I'm getting over it but I apologise for the coughing but today's episode brought to you by Zyrtec <laughs> another sponsor we could just keep listing it um, anyway so there's a, a lovely lovely photographer uh, her name is Crystal uh, she lives in Queensland she's an incredible photographer Midnight Photography is her handle um, we used to do workshops together down here in Cradle Mountain uh, a couple of years ago and she used to be part of the Nissi, <clears throat> the Nissi crew so she used to be an ambassador for Nissi and we had this beautiful morning at Cradle Mountain so everyone can picture Cradle Mountain, Dove Lake it was not, not, a, not a cloud around not a, not a movement, not a breath of wind nothing, all the button grass was frozen it was just perfect so we had the group all spread around and we're taking photos and you didn't need a filter maybe a circular polarizer, that was it so we're all standing around this crystal crystal clear pristine location and all of a sudden it sounded like someone had dropped a wine glass on a on a rock <laughs> and and all we hear is this ah and she let the f word out i'm like what was that and it was all echoing like we were still hundreds of meters away from each other i'm like what was that she goes that was my 10 stop it's 400 dollars filter I'm like, why are you using it? She goes, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she'd smashed, dropped her filter on the rock. It's just because of the, the metal construction. It was, uh, was not wasn't it wasn't warped, but because it, it was so cold, the filter just slipped straight through. Uh, and, right. and she'd yep. smashed it on the rocks. And uh, that, that was a good point for the rest of the group. I'm like one, you probably didn't need to be using a ten stop because nothing needed to be blurred or slowed down. Uh, and two, she's just cost herself four hundred dollars in a well, filter. If there wasn't so. any movement, no wind or no running water there, or anything. There was, yeah. no, there was nothing. What, no, what, what I think I think I think I think that was just a habit of what she was used to doing. So um, lesson learned. Lesson, lesson learned. It was a very funny, uh, very funny morning. There was, there's a lot to that story. I'll tell you off here, but <clears throat> um, that was a, it was a funny start to the day. But um, yeah, well, so yeah, we can't, we can't do that to our <clears throat> listeners, Cam. Okay, maybe oh. we can. We're going to tell them, no, 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 don't tell us anything. We'll well, okay, we can, we can, no, we can. It's not recognisable, and that's no, so well, we, we can, we can, we won't get sued. Okay. So <clears throat> the same morning we had we had a guest who, the day before it got a really, really nice shot down at uh, the classic Cradle Mountain Boathouse mm-hmm. shot, and uh, the rest of the group hadn't got as nice a shot as this lady had got, and uh, she was very happy about the shot she got. It was lovely. She should have been very proud. And uh, so the night that night before we had the next morning where Crystal dropped her filter, we're all talking and um, we're like, okay, tomorrow the weather is looking great. It looks like it's going to be an absolute cracking start to the day. Tomorrow is the morning you don't want to miss a Cradle Mountain. And this customer is like, you know what? I've sort of got my shot for the weekend. I'm, I'm probably just going to sleep in if that's all right. And I'm like, oh, really? You sure? She's like, yeah, I'm just going to I'm going to sleep in. So she slept in. And it was probably out, I've been to Cradle Mountain thousands of times, and to this day, it was still probably the best start to the morning at Cradle Mountain I'd ever seen. So we all got up, she slept in, uh, we came back to breakfast, she was waiting at the table for us for breakfast, 
And all the other guests just walked in, even on their phones, and just went, look at that. And her heart, you could almost, you remember that Simpsons episode where Lisa's, or Bart's heart breaks or whatever it is and it goes in slow-mo? You could almost see her heart break in half that she slipped in and missed one of the best mornings of all time. So don't sleep. The moral of the story is don't ever think you've got the best shot you can get. Wow. Because there's always a better yeah. one out there. No, that, 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 that would make your heart break. Yeah, and then from that yeah. point onwards, she was she was like a you know like a shadow. She she didn't leave our side. She wanted to be everywhere we went to make sure yeah. she didn't miss another moment. So yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it was. Uh, I think Lisa broke Ralph Wiggum's heart. That's right. It was Ralph, <laughs> Ralph Wiggum's heart. I choo choo choose you. <laughs> and there's a picture of a cat on there. Yeah. There? No, a picture of a train a on there. Train. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that for, all those, the, for all those I people just, that grew up in the nineties, I just I just mixed up the uh, my bre- my cat's breath smells like cat food from the same episode. Same episode, that's right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, anyway, Simpsons references. Yeah, great show. Uh, so um, we went a bit all over the place talking about modes and, and and all that sort of stuff. And the question was, is manual really the holy grail for landscape photography? I think we answered that in the negative. Yeah. I, I'd say no. I'd. I just don't, and like again, this is more directed at beginners and enthusiasts, people that haven't, you know, maybe got their skills under control just yet. I, I would say if you're looking to advance your photography and do it in manual mode, it's going to be a longer road than if you're, especially landscape photography, we're all landscape. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a longer road to travel as opposed to shooting an aperture priority and understanding that a bit more. And, and, and the last point I will make is that um, photographers don't buy photography. So what I mean by that is, you know, the person that, that where that I and you as well we sell to, they actually probably don't know a lot about photography, and, and they couldn't so, care less. <laughs> exactly. So they're going to look yeah. at that photo and go, "Oh my god, you didn't shoot it on manual. Yeah. I don't want it." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they it. couldn't care less. They couldn't care less. So again, I guess you could look at that. If it's working, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If you're getting manual mode and it's working for you, please don't go and change everything you're doing that's working just because a couple of old farts on here said you shouldn't shoot manual. If it's working for you, keep it up. If it's not, if it's still frustrating, try trying into uh, switching into aperture priority for a while and see how you go. Yeah, and the reason I'm chuckling is because we're not old farts. Well, we're not I getting am. any younger. You're all, you're all the there's, there's plenty there's plenty of people out hang there hang on we, we just referenced the 1992 Simpsons episode we're true. pretty there's, old mate there's plenty of people out there doing what we do who are a lot older than us so uh, yeah but they shoot they shoot manual <laughs> what would they know <laughs> yeah, well they know exactly um, right huh. moving right along um, yeah. my, my search for a new camera continues um, and I the, the reason why I'm sort of not able to get my hands on it yet is because there ain't no stock. Oh. Uh, I'm not going to give it away yet. I'm not giving it away. But no um, stock. Ooh, there's there's no it? stock of what I'm after. Um, is this a newly re- Is this a such a new camera not, that's been released? No, not telling. All right. So <laughs> that's um, a great. That's a great update. Thanks for that. I'll, 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 all right. I'll narrow the field for you. It's not a Panasonic. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> All right, we can we can we can rule out one model each week until you finally get it. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, yeah. yeah. So look, um, the, I, I've in my lockdown life, I've been looking um, looking around what's out there. I know what's out there. Um, yeah. I know what I want, um, and I just, as I say at the moment, can't get my hands on. Uh, yeah. Can't get my hands on the body nor the lens I want either. <laughs> God right. damn it! Which will be the initial lens I buy with this thing, which will right. be my landscape right. lens. Right. Um, yeah. 
and it will be a very wide angle lens that I'm not okay. very wide angle. Uh, so I guess it, yeah, it'll be a very you, wide angle lens that I buy. I guess you could say the search for your camera is over by the sound of it. Oh yeah, I know what I want. I just got to get my hands on one. Yeah, so the search is over. Now the mystery is as to what the choice is. Um, well, I okay. Think, I don't think anyone cares, but uh, anyway. I do. We, I it care. all will be revealed, if not next podcast, probably be- the one after that. Well, because I, I'm, I'm worried because if it's a Nikon, I, d- I don't think we can continue this, this little podcast anymore. I don't think I could run. Oh, you've got to put it down. There is a Nikon right there on the front of the camera. That's right. What's that, D5000? Do you know what? This is this is my... Is this the my- one that's... Is this the one that's stapled to the front of the camera? Yes. So this is my this is my Nikon D fifty one hundred, which is four hundred and eighty seven years old. I got Jeez. it when Jesus played fullback for Jerusalem, and it has is the, got. Is that the year he got rubbed out? Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> when he bumped the umpire. Um, <laughs> when he bumped one of the apostles. I don't know. I, I was I was gra- grasping really quickly. You tried. Um, you tried. That's got my. Um, my awesome um, Sigma 10 to 20, uh, yeah. and it's it's not even the f3.5 version, it's the f4 to 5.6. That right. thing has taken so many of my photos, it's ridiculous, yeah. and it's an absolute dinosaur, but I love it. And it's again, if it ain't broke, don't and fix it's it. It's not what you got, it's how you use it. That's right, absolutely. dear Cam. Hey, here we go. Dear Cam, it's time for our Dear Cam segment. Maybe we should get a... Um, we still haven't got any music for this, have yeah, we? Yeah, we need a sting, like a little... Yeah. Yeah, anyway, if you're creative enough to make a sting, we will use it. Uh, <laughs> Dear Cam, this is short and sweet and refers back to what we've already been talking about tonight, so it's perfect. Yeah. Do yeah. you prefer ND filters over a two-shot or more Photoshop edit? This is Phil from Esperance. Esperance, there's a place. Let's all go to Esperance, everybody. Is that, is that WA? Esperance is in southern Western Australia uh, ah, on the doorstep that, um, to uh, some amazing coastal national parks. And Right. Is that the Wine Valley down? What's that valley or the... Uh, Margaret River is what you're... Th- is that that way? Is that uh, Esperance no. way? Okay. Well, um, Apologies to people from Esperance because I don't really know where it is. Yeah, so Margaret River is... Well, how can I put this? Margaret River is to Perth like Ocean Grove is to Melbourne. Oh, whereas, yeah. Yeah. whereas Esperance is more like Malacuta to Melbourne. Just to oh, right. give you a, a local reference that you might yeah, understand. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, Esperance no, is that's... miles away from Perth, like yeah, way yeah. down south. I'm with you. And who um, is it? What's, what's her name? Phil. Phil? Okay. Uh, so do I Do you prefer... prefer ND filters over a two-shot or more Photoshop edit? Uh, no. I, I, again, no. Um, I actually don't use ND filters physically at all, but I do use the graduated ND filter a fair bit in my Lightroom program. So again, this goes back to the dynamic range conversation that if I've got all the information on that file in regards to the highlights especially, then as you said, you can bring that into your Lightroom or your Photoshop and you can play with, you know, you can mask or layer or, you know, paint in certain parts of that that, uh, information because the information's there, then you can take it out or put it back or make it better or worse. So um, the quick answer to that is no, I don't. Um, but I know why people do. Um, and especially speaking at Esperance, um, Christian Fletcher, who's a very well-known Australian <clears throat> landscape photographer who lives uh, south of Perth out that way as well. Um, I actually purchased a few of his instructional videos a couple of years ago and he, he does a lot of things with two stops, uh, using two shots or bringing a sky in from another shot and, and marrying him in and he does it exceptionally well. So 
Horses for courses. Um, it's not my cup of tea. And it's probably my, not my cup of tea because I don't really know how to do too much Photoshop stuff. Um, but I'd rather, again, just get it right in camera. But I think if you're shooting at the right time of day and you're capturing the dynamic range and, and making sure you're not losing those details and highlights, you can practically do the same thing in post. So the answer is you would prefer to do it in Photoshop rather than or Lightroom rather than yep. doing it um, using a, any kind of filter. Now, for yep. those of you who don't know what a neutral density filter is, just real quick, it's basically um, a, a hunk of glass that you can put on the end of the lens of the camera. So you can get screw-on ones or you can get drop-in ones, so the bigger square ones with a with a holder that help put it in front of your in front of your lens. That literally cut down the amount of light that is coming to your to your camera sensor. Um, so basically what that can do is that can it can mimic uh, low light situations. It can allow you to slow your shutter speed down even though you're working in broad daylight. Broad daylight. And my, I think, I'm pretty sure it's called a neutral density filter because all it does is affect the light value but it does nothing for color. So right. it, it, it yeah. doesn't change. Uh, that and I think that's why if you get cheaper ND filters, they can they can actually stuff up your color. They uh, yeah, they, they create can. a color yeah. cast. That's More right. expensive ND filters don't do that. So yeah, I think the neutral right. part of it is there's no change to color. Yeah, and the one thing I think people need to be a little bit careful about neutral density filters. They come in different uh, variants as well. So you can get like a slightly tinted neutral density, almost to a pure dark tinted filter where you can you can barely see through it at all. Yeah. And the, the more, obviously, the darker the filter, the slower your shutter speed needs to slow down to get that shot. And they, talk, it, they talk about that and they rate it in terms of stops. So you can have yeah. a two-stop ND filter all the way down to a 10-stop ND filter. Yeah. I love on workshops when people put, you know, you talk about, because everything in photography is doubles and halves. So, you know, one stop is, you know, this, you know, ISO 100 to 200 is one stop, 200 to 400, everything's doubling and halving in regards to that. So someone puts a 10-stop filter on and they're shooting at you know 500th of a second. I say, well, let's do the maths. You know, what's 10 stops slower than 500th of a second? And it's quite amazing how many people don't know how to divide by two. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah, neutral density filters. One other thing is just be careful with if you start doing super long exposures, like a couple of minutes or more, uh, you can start affecting the contrast and that color cast can start also starting to feel look a little bit whack I like to call it sometimes looks makes the colors look a little bit off um, and I think that's just a, a general characteristics of sensors being open so long and, and capturing light so yeah. just be aware of that as well unless your camera is really really <clears throat> new you shouldn't be doing that long exposure with a digital sensor anyway because you're gonna stuff it that's it so yeah, yeah. Cool. very very All good right. that, thanks thanks Phil from Esperance we'll have to go there maybe we'll do a live show from Esperance oh can we we should make, we're going to take this on the road. Does the budget... Now, there's an idea. Does the budget stretch to Esperance? At Look, the moment, it doesn't freaking stretch to Barwon Heads from... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if it's the budget I've got to worry about. It might be the Minister of Finances we have to talk to. No. Can you imagine us two on a road trip doing a podcast around oh, Australia? There'd, there'd be concessions given left, right and centre, Cam. They'd be... They, they would have to come. They would yeah, have the, to... They, they can the do, kids would have to come. Nah, well, that's true. Yeah, nah, this yeah. isn't going to work. No, um, no, we'll stick to here. If you've got a Dear Cam question, please type it below um, yeah. or send it to us via Courier Pigeon, I think, works at the moment. Uh, that'll get to us. Yeah, that's um, good, uh, You can send it through our Facebook page uh, or wherever. Yeah. yeah, you can email it to me, cam at tazphoto.com.au. Link in the it'll description. All be, it'll all be in the link. It'll, it'll get be. to us somehow. 
There will be. Um, now, you, you're going to find this hard to believe, but we've been banging on for a good 40, 48 minutes or so. Um, let's go. So, have you got uh, anything coming up that you want to discuss, Cam? Um, I've got a few things coming up. It's a, it's a bit of a funny period of time. There's workshops getting postponed and things all, all over the shop. But I've got. Now, um, uh, did I say you were involved with BFOP this year? I am as you as you VFOP. normally are, but yes, I am involved with VFOP. Yes, that was something I was going to touch on. Very so, <clears throat> what is coming up? So, first things first, I got a weekend at Cradle Mountain this weekend, doing a couple of Olympus days and things like that. So, we're up there for a couple of single day, two single day workshop style events. Um, but then after that, the next big thing is the Bright Festival of Photography, also known as BFOP. Um, BFOPAustralia.com.au. We have early bird tickets on until the 12th of September which I think is Sunday this week um, so what it is it's a three day festival it's, unfortunately it's online well fortunately or unfortunately it's online it's usually an in person festival held in bright Victoria uh, this year it's all online due to our friend COVID uh, what it is is over 50 hours plus of uh, instructors so myself and there's a heap of other amazing instructors that are coming on board uh, they'll teach all different genres of photography uh, all done online. You can sit in your living room with a cup of coffee or a few beers. Uh, each night after the sun goes down, we get online and, and do a few drinking games and a few muck around things online as well. So that's on from October 8 to 10. Uh, tickets are on sale now at beefopaustralia.com.au. Get in before the end of Sunday because you get an early bird savings. Uh, we usually get like four or 500 people watching. It's incredible. Um, so my part in that. I'm doing a quick lap, three-day lap of Tasmania. So we're going uh, to all these amazing locations and broadcasting live from the top of mountains, the edge of cliffs. Uh, we might even be in the middle of a tulip field this year. What could um, possibly go wrong? My hay fever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, get on there. Uh, it's an amazing experience. Hopefully next year we can get back up to Bright. Uh, we might. If we get up to Bright next year, how's this for You're coming, Brendan, and we're going to do a live show from the Bright Festival of Photography. I'm in. Done. Lock it in. And they've got a brewery there, so that's all that matters. When, um, it but normal, apart from, when, when does it normally happen? Don't say footy finals time. No, nah, it's not. It's usually just after footy finals time. So <laughs> listen, listen to me. I know. It's all about the footy. Um, so that's what's going on. Um, yeah, it'd be great to people get them online. And a lot of the content from last year was available online afterwards. I'm not sure if they're doing the same thing this year, but you can certainly get on. And yeah, Dennis Smith, who does all the light painting, is an absolute legend from South Australia. Uh, there's, there's so many guys involved. Um, it's really, really a good uh, few days to get on board. Yeah, I'll um, I'll be getting myself a ticket, and I will good. sit in on a few, a few of the workshops for sure. Looking forward to. I expect I expect to see your face on the screen then. All right, consider it yeah. consider it done. Can you comp me a ticket or? Yeah, I might know. be able to. Yeah. <laughs> I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you about it. Um, no, I pay my way. I like, I'm fine with that. That's fine. You're opening again. That's what's happening with you this week. Yeah, so we, um, I've lost track. I, I, well, I think we've been we've been locked down for a couple of weeks. Um, really fortunate in some ways that Father's Day happened during that time because we, well, I was doing a lot of online orders for Father's Day. Um, yeah. A lot of a lot of really cool portraits of dads with yeah, their kids cool. and stuff like that, which was great. I really enjoyed doing that, framing them up, and literally jumping in my van and delivering them. To yeah. places around Ocean Grove, Barwon Heads, and Torquay, which was which was brilliant, really really cool. It was actually a really good distraction from everything that's going on. And I think one thing I forgot, and I've actually been working harder than ever over the last couple of weeks. And the yeah. reason for that is I've got no staff. 
<laughs> yeah. I, 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 I sort of forget that, oh, that's right, I've got people that actually do this stuff with me as well. And, um, yeah. Yeah. But for the last couple of weeks, of course, we couldn't have had any staff on site, so uh, it, it's been it's been pretty full on. I'm, I'm to be honest, I'm I'm knackered. It's a bit of COVID fatigue with actual yeah. physical fatigue. It's, it's doing a lot of doing a lot of work, as I say, doing the work of four people really. Yeah. Over the last couple of weeks, so um, I'm looking forward to getting the shops back open because nothing works better than face to face in my game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love talking to people about, particularly people who come in with some really nice photography that they want to create. Uh, for example, as a canvas print or a framed framed piece of artwork on their wall. Um, yeah. I love talking with people about the options for that. I've had a couple of people who are loyal listeners to the Down South Photo Show be in contact with me over the last week uh, about different kinds of papers and stuff that we print on. I oh, yeah, will cool. be getting back to you in the next few days. So yeah. thank you for reaching out uh, for that sort of stuff. Um, that's been really cool. So if, if you guys are keen to talk to me about getting things printed uh, on particular paper stocks and that sort of stuff, let me know. I can help you yeah. out. Um, the other thing awesome. that hopefully now, like we said at the start, light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully now my workshops can be reintroduced. Um, we're going to see how it falls with, dare I say it, vaccination passports or anything like that. We, we're going to see how it all works. Yeah. Um, I haven't run a workshop now for 18 months, and uh, I'm really keen to get back into those. So that's what's coming up for me. Cool. All all positive stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Yeah. It's good. To, it's good to feel like the wheel's going to turn again. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> she's and, all and, seized up at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and you know, a lot of people sort of you know throw a bit of muck our way, saying, "Oh, you know, you've had no lockdown and stuff like that." But essentially, we sort of are still in lockdown because we can't come to Melbourne to catch up, or we can't go see family. We can't have customers come down here, so uh, it's getting a little bit lonely on this island. Um, yeah, we're yeah. lucky. We're lucky we can still go out, but. Um, I, I can't wait to start mingling with people and you know everyone's vaccinated then woohoo let's, all, let's get the show on their own all seven of you that live there must be sick of each other well we're all in the same house so yes. <laughs> <laughs> there goes all our Tassie listeners uh, you've done it again yeah. alright yeah. right, folks uh, thanks for tuning in Cam great to see you again we will thanks, uh, be back onto our regular weekly schedule I would have thought for a little while now um, as I, I say so. Um, sorry that we took a week off but it was needed for all concerned um, yeah. and I guess we will take, uh, catch up with you for episode number 14 next week um, over and out Perfect. cheers guys see you later bye